Welcome to Jungle Land, the leading Idaho State University podcast. And I am joined today in the studio by none other than Idaho State University head football coach Cody Hawkins. Cody, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, McLean. It's good to be here. So you mentioned before, I think in, in one of your, your press conferences, I heard you say that uh, Coach Hawkins is your dad. Dan Hawkins is Coach Hawkins. Uh, so what do you prefer to be called? Coach Cody? Gee, I, yeah, I, I just say just call me Cody. That's my name. I mean, I know uh, there's a certain measure of respect that people think comes with co- uh, being called coach. And I, I've had a lot of amazing coaches in my life, and I definitely respect the title. But I'm not your coach. You know, I haven't had to, you to get in a three-point stance and have you get off on a cadence. But – no, I'm, I just – I think my leadership style, I want to be approachable. I like to be in the weeds with folks, and I know that's part of the reason I'm not really big into suits. It's not that they don't look nice, but I felt like people who wore suits on non-formal occasions were not the people who were my role models when I grew up. Just, you know, my dad was a coach, and my grandpa was a coach, and my my uncles were coaches and athletes, and they were, they were in the armed services. So I, I just want to be approachable, and I think you respect me by how you treat me, and that goes with all people, um, not what you call me. Okay, that's great. Well, if you do need me to step in uh, for the team on one of these games, just let me know. And We're I'll... ready. We might need you, man. All right, yeah, all right. We'll... So a lot of the people know you and kind of know some of your background, but for those that might not, how did you get to Idaho State? I know you started out quarterback in Colorado at college, and then you had some experience playing football overseas. And uh, now, then you got into coaching, and now you're here. Yeah, I, I've had an amazing life, and I'll, I'll tell you, first and foremost, I mean, the most amazing thing about my life and the greatest blessings that God have given me are all tied to my family. Um, I'm the third of four kids. Ashley, Brittany, Cody, and Drew were all in alphabetical order, and uh, if I get into heaven, uh, the good Lord willing, it's because of my mom. I mean, my mom's an absolute saint. Uh, her name's Misty. She's fantastic. And then uh, my dad, Dan, uh, as many people know, was a football coach my whole life, and uh I was very lucky to be around a lot of really good people growing up, and my dad always made sure that our family was involved in football. You know, back in the day, coaches are making a lot more money now than they used to, and so my mom was a labor and delivery nurse for over 30 years, and we would always kind of hang out in the morning with my mom because she would work the night shift, and then we'd go spend the evenings with my dad, and my dad would watch film and work on cut-ups and then take the kids home and put them to bed, put us to bed, and he'd be gone in the morning um, by the time we woke up. But you know, I, I grew up in locker rooms and on field, so I always had an affinity for sport and was very fortunate to have a lot of amazing coaches growing up. Um, the late Bill Buckner, um, Boston Red Sox, Chicago Cubs legend, baseball player, um, coached me in baseball growing up. Um, I had a great relationship with him, miss him every day. Uh, Bob Johnson is a guy who uh, was a high school football coach in California and really helped me um, grow into a, probably maybe a slightly better than average football player. Um and then Tim Brennan, who was the coach at Bishop Kelly High School in Boise, really taught me how how impactful it can be for a young man to be part of an amazing football culture. And uh, we had that, you know, had some great battles with Pocatello High School back in the day. Um, like you guys, like uh, you know, Clint Nickrum and Izzy Ramirez and Jacob Pollard. I mean, they, they had a lot of great players. Coach Harrison did a great job at Pocatello High and uh, played them in high school. Um, was fortunate enough to go play in college. Um, Actually ended up playing for my dad in college. Had a couple opportunities, not a bunch of opportunities to go play other places, but I wanted to play against the best because I know I wasn't good enough to play in the NFL, but Texas had just won the national championship mm. uh, before I graduated, and I wanted to go play against those guys. Uh, so uh, my you know career went the way it did, and uh, I wasn't an NFL guy, so I went and played overseas and was really uh, probably the best football experience I ever had was uh, – playing in Innsbruck, Austria, and Vienna, Austria with the the U.S. national team, which 
of course, the U.S. national team, it's, it's not as good as the NFL. It's not like the Olympic level, but it was an opportunity to play football overseas and made a lot of amazing connections. And since then, I've done, you know, I've done football camps in probably 15 different countries now and uh, have had an opportunity to see some amazing places. And throughout that journey, I, I came home and was staying in Boise for a little bit, met my wife, who uh, now is the, the mother to my two kids, going to be three in December. And her name's Tiana. She's a Capital High School grad from Boise, Idaho. And uh, as much as I tried to do a couple other jobs, I was a little sour on football after my dad got fired when I was playing. Uh, um, that would that would do it, yeah. Yeah, I, I really wanted the opportunity to see if I could live doing something else. And while I enjoyed working for uh, Nike, I worked at uh, Nike corporate for for three years and just missed football. So yeah. I went back as a graduate assistant at Ohio State under Urban Meyer. Um, then I'm moving back to the West Coast and uh, coached high school football, coached junior college football, and then was at Davis for the past six years with my dad and had the opportunity to come back to Idaho. And um, it's a place that I respect a lot. Obviously, spent a lot of time going through Pocatello as a young man right. uh, growing up in Boise and always respected the Bengals, always rooted for the uh, the Idaho teams from afar. Not really the Vandals, just, just Boise, yeah, well, Boise and Idaho. So yeah, not, not the We Vandals. don't have to talk yeah, about that. Exactly. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, when I, when I had the opportunity to talk to Pauline, it just seemed like it was a a really cool place for me and my family to have some amazing life experience and try and help out a place that I care about a lot. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like you have a very uh, diverse sort of background in, in football and sport, and congratulations on the new addition to the Hawkins family. Thanks. Coming. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be wild. Three. Yeah. No, no more man-to-man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, so you you go through all of that, you come here to Pocatello, back to Idaho, and you have your first college football game as a head coach. And so before we kind of dive into some of like the, the football talk, uh, just what was that experience like being like the, the top guy for the first time going against a program like San Diego State as your, as your first game? I don't know. I tell everybody being a head coach is just the worst. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm super proud and it's exciting, but, you know, it's, it's very rewarding. I, I compare it to having a newborn where it's not necessarily a happy feeling. There is joy there, but it's very fulfilling, but... Man, it's a lot. A lot but of work I'm, to do. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm really lucky that, you know, Josh Runda, our defensive coordinator, he's been a coordinator before, so he does a great job and needs less guidance, and I think we're very much on the same page culturally. And I've worked with Jesse Thompson before, um, both at Davis and at the high school level. Um, and he, so he's our special teams coordinator, so he knows what he's doing. I, I was able to be a lot more involved in the offense than I probably initially anticipated, and maybe not every game that will be the case, but I just uh, – I just love football. I've grown up around it. I, I don't really get nervous for football games. I get more worried about are the buses going to be here on time and do the kids have what they need to be successful and are the linemen going to be able to get two plates of food instead of one? Those are the things that I concern of, myself with. A lot of scheduling stuff for, oh, for football. Oh, so much administrative work, McLean. Anytime you want to come do our admin work, I'll, I'll pay a good price. Well, I'll consider it, but <laughs> I think I'll, I'll stick here for you now. you got a lot of talents, yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, like we said, you've been coaching for a while now, and so you have experience, offensive coordinator under your dad at UC Davis, and now that you're head coach, you kind of know the ropes. You you knew coming in what that job sort of entailed, but is it different than what you expected? You talked about more administrative work. Is there, like, more hours than expected? Are you busier, or is it kind of what you anticipated? Uh, it's, it's what I anticipated. I think uh, I've been very fortunate that, you know, my dad's been a head coach for my gosh, I don't even want to guess, but I mean, the majority of his career, I think he's only been not a head coach for five years since I've been alive. Um, so he he's a great mentor and guide for me. And I also had an opportunity just being in the family to peek behind the curtain and see a lot of the other stuff that he was doing. So nothing's really caught me off guard, but I also think as a head coach, you can't, 
you can't emphasize enough that every single job is different. Every situation is different because coaches all over America have success at one place and they go to another place and they're not successful. And it's not because they forgot how to coach football. It's just because whatever they were really good at at the other school, they probably didn't anticipate that environment and those changes and probably just not the right fit. Um, so that's why, you know, coming to Idaho State for me, it's it's probably I knew what all the head coach would have to do. It's just – Am I suited to fit those challenges? And I do my best every day to try and try and address those to the best of my ability. Yeah. So, uh, sort of a, a personal note. What what are you? I was thinking about this. I'm like, Coach Hawkins is a busy man. I know that. It took a little doing to schedule this. So I was wondering, what are you doing when you're not coaching? Are you not coaching? Is it like a 24 seven job, or do you have some free time here yeah, and there? Yeah. Uh, you don't get it much free time during the season, but Thursdays are usually a good day. I, okay. I would say. Uh, you know, I got to go. I'm over here. We met at one o'clock, and I got to go back for our three thirty staff meeting. But on Thursdays, I try and get everybody out by five so we can do date night. That's obviously really important to me and my wife. And I think, you know, if you're living a purposeful life and you're doing things the right way, I think you got to be able to carve out time for your family. Mm-hmm. I know uh, I've said a lot of times. Everybody says they love their family, but you know, Urban Meyer told me, like, how do you spell how do you spell love? It's T I M E. Like, you have to carve out time and. There's never as much balance as you want in your life as a coach because football and taking care of those guys takes so much of your time. But you have to make sure you're very intentional about carving out time for your family, and that's time to be a dad. That's time to get home and put my kids to bed, even if that means I have to run back to the office and watch film till after midnight, that I'm right. home for bedtime, and that i got to be able to take my wife out on a date. I mean, she's amazing. I love her. She's my best friend, and i, I got to make sure she knows that I care about her too, not just mm-hmm. my job. Right. Do you find yourself drinking a lot of coffee or you need energy drinks? Or? Uh, not not really into the energy drink thing. I, I will from time to time. But uh, my my brother actually is the CEO of a coffee company in North Carolina, so I'm a big big coffee guy. Unfortunately, I, I still need some of the cream and the foo-foo stuff in there. But, right, uh, right. I, tr- I try to lay off of it, but during the season, I always end up having a, a yeah, cup or two a day. Not quite black coffee. so you... Yeah, I'm not tough enough to do the black coffee yet, but hopefully someday. My wife is. She's she's tough as nails. Oh, wow. That's that's impressive. I'm not, I'm not tough enough yeah. for that either. So kind of getting in a little bit more to the football here. So you promised back in December from your very first introductory press conference, you mentioned playing in the Dome at Holt, and you said the Bengals were going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, with you as coach, and so now that the uh, the throwing Idahoans, I think we're calling them now, uh, came out last week against San Diego State with 63 pass attempts, the most in the country. Not all the, not all those were like deep shots down the field though. So you talked this week after the game that the quarterbacks were kind of focused more on some of like the shorter completions and kind of just taking what the defense can give them or the defense will give them. Uh, so could you tell us more about kind of your offensive philosophy? And uh, should Bengal fans expect that type of output from quarterbacks going forward? Jeez, I, I think you'd love better total output. You know, you want more touchdowns, less interceptions, higher completion percentage. Ideally, but yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, San Diego State is no slouch. They've been one of the best defenses on the West Coast for a long time. Uh, and we knew just the way they're structured defensively, they're going to keep six guys in the box the whole time. So it's hard to get numbers in the run game. So you got to mm. produce perimeter yards, however you do that, whether it's uh, – slants, outs, flats, um, rather than deep shots, just because, again, it takes time to throw deep shots, and you got to make sure that the defensive line isn't knocking your quarterback out. But I do want to throw the football just, I think, if you look at trying to be unique, trying to be fun, trying to breathe life into these kids, where we're at um, just in the conference and in the program, I mean, we need to be exciting, we need to be fun, and we have to find ways to attract good players that other people do not want that will help us have success on the football field. And 
if you look at a guy, you know, a, a lot of our slot receivers, I've said, I think our slots are probably as good or better than any in the conference. And those guys are, they're five, six, five, nine, five, nine guys, maybe. Um, but they're really fast and they're good with the ball in space. And you have the opportunity that just with, with the Vandals, you know, I mean, six games every year are going to be in a dome. Um, so if weather's not going to be a factor, you have to worry a little bit less about the run game because before we can be great, we have to be respectable. We have to be fun. We have to be good because you have to run the football if you want to win a championship. But we're trying to build this thing. We're trying to put butts in the seats. We're trying to keep guys here. We want guys to have a strong sense of pride about playing for the Bengals. And as you talk about an offensive identity, I mean, the thrown Idahoans has Idaho State has thrown the when Idaho State's good, they throw the football a lot. That's just what they've done. I mean, whether it was Maturik in 81, the team in 2002, or when Justin Arias, you know, was the runner-up to the Walton of Payton Award, I mean, they threw the heck out of it. You know, so I think it history doesn't always have to repeat itself, but it leaves clues. And I think throwing the football will give us an opportunity to be unique, to have a strong identity, and uh, to recruit and sell that system to, to players around the country. Yeah. Uh, we talk about fans uh, getting excited for the offense and liking that. My dad wanted me to tell you that he does like the offense. He nice. thought it was great to watch as a fan. <laughs> so you got you got at least one supporter yeah, we there. Got, we got to get better, but yeah. All right. So when you say you got to run the ball to, to win championships, so we're try- are you establishing that passing offense now, and then are we going to ex- see that run game kind of expand going forward? Yeah, the run game will always expand going forward, but it's I, I say it's scalable. It's not that you're going to end up running the ball a ton in week 11 of year one. It's, hey— you know, third and short um, in the red zone to settle your quarterback down. Maybe as part of your RPO game, you're going to run the football. Um, but we'll probably call as many passes as we can. Um, I would love to break the record. I think the record's 73, 74, I think, at Ida- in the big sky, at least, for pass attempts. We'd love to break that, but we'll see how the game goes. Um, obviously, the games are getting shorter, so it's going to be harder right. to harder to do that. But uh Hopefully they continue to see us build on the run game. Um, a lot of that's personnel-based, too. We have some super talented backs, but we are young up front. Um, so trying to make the easy make the easy play for the offensive linemen as well. And if somebody's going to play with a six-man box and we have four receivers on the field, it doesn't make sense mathematically to try and run the football mm-hmm. unless you need a yard or two. So Right, and uh, we have some talented running backs. I was going to say they, they kind of showed that uh, in the passing game last week. They were still involved in the offense. They just weren't getting the ball handed to them necessarily. Yeah, and you're exactly right. I think that's where, uh, you know, Kaoa can really roll, and he's a guy that we want to get the ball to in space. And I think whether it's uh, the screen game, the draw game, uh, RPOs, or getting them out, you know, on the perimeter through we do a couple of flare screens and stuff, We those are guys are good players. We need to use them um, and get them the ball. I think we probably didn't utilize them as much as we should have in, in against San Diego State. So we'll continue to work with that and uh, – and even a guy like Raiden Hunter missed missed all of spring and missed most of fall camp. So he's a guy with a ton of potential and experience here at Idaho State who's still working his way back into things. Yeah, absolutely. He is talented. Um, and so did you did you see yourself before the game? Did you anticipate throwing the ball 60, 62, 63 times? I, you know, I think going into the game, you always have a certain plan of attack, but the flow of the game can sort of dictate it. And I think just seeing how much – man they were playing means that hey the box is going to be light you know somebody could have seen what we were doing on the first couple drives and said hey let's let's play cloud coverage let's drop eight let's put three guys in the box and that would dictate running the football hey if they're going to put numbers on the perimeter then we need to run the football but they didn't they said hey we're going to play what i say f you man and that means they're going to they're going to commit to it i mean on defense that san diego state did and 
we had a couple good man beaters dialed up uh, just because you have to you have to start being able to beat man coverage. I mean, that's the, your day one offensive install. And uh, if they're going to play with numbers in the box, we got to play on the perimeter. So I didn't know how Coach Hoke would adjust to it. He's obviously a phenomenal defensive mind. And just the way the game went, we ended up throwing a lot. But who knows? We, we may run it 63 times. I'm, I'm not scared to run it. I want to run it if that's what the best way to move the football is. But uh, football at, at its core is a, a numbers game. Right. So on the note of you talk about game flow impacting sort of a game plan, I wanted to bring up the quarterback position. I know you've talked a lot about it or been asked a lot about it. Uh, so Hayes, Cook, and Cavallero were listed on the the three quarterbacks listed on the two-deep roster. There was a three-deep for the quarterbacks. Uh, but last week we saw just Cook and Hayes sort of switch out at the position, sometimes mid-series. Uh, was that kind of part of the game plan to just have those two in or – were you originally playing on maybe bringing in another quarterback or yeah, two? Yeah, I, I wanted to get Matt some reps, um, but he he's dealing with a little bit of a, a shoulder injury uh, towards the end of camp and wanted to make sure he's he's totally fine. And I think just the way the flow of the game went, I wanted Jordan to have the opportunity to work out some kinks um, just because he is so young. And then Hunter Hayes is just such a – he's a great leader, tough kid, consummate bangle. I mean, Absolutely. he's a second-generation guy. I mean, he never complains, great attitude, works super hard, extremely tough. That we knew, We've we told Hunter that regardless of whether or not he's a starter, I mean, he's going to play 15 to 20 plays a game in certain packages just because he, he has a different dynamic to our offense. And Cavalero deserves to play, and we'll, we'll try and get him in there this weekend too. Um, you, you know, to me, you never want to play multiple quarterbacks because you'd love to have one elite guy. But we have a lot of good good players who are working hard that have different skill sets. And, you know, when there's one quarterback who's so much better than everybody else that no one else deserves to play, you guys will know it. At the same time, I'll know it. Um, but until then, we're going to continue to play those guys because they all have strong skill sets and they all have things to work on. And uh, it's my job as a coach to do the best thing for the team. And uh, they all merit playing time. Yeah, I think a lot of the quarterbacks kind of have a similar style of play and they all have their own special talents. One of the things we talked about – uh, on the podcast previously, it was we were kind of thinking that, like you said, even if Hayes doesn't get the starting job, he can still be used in a lot of different ways. That's kind of how he was used when he first came here. So he has the ability to run the ball and then maybe even like split out on a, on a pass play or something yeah, like he's, that. Yeah, he's 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 athletic now. He's not a he doesn't run as fast as Jordan, but man, he's he's a burly kid. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember old Oklahoma. They used to use this uh, kid Blake Bell, and they called him the Bell Dozer and. Sticks isn't that, but he's he deserves to play and gives us a different element for sure. Yeah, Hayes is definitely not afraid to take a hit too, and we kind of saw that towards the end of the game against San Diego. He might have had a little limp there. Is he doing okay? Yeah, he's he's good. Obviously, uh, he got he took a shot and it was bugging him, um, but he wasn't coming out. You know, right. <laughs> you'd probably have to amputate a limb before he'd come out. Uh, but he's he's a stud for us. All right. So then, do you think the quarterback position might obviously this weekend we might see a few different guys. Uh, do you think maybe we might continue to see that? Um, I, I kind of theorized that once we got into FCS play against Northern Iowa and then into the Big Sky, we might see a more solid look at quarterback. Yeah, I think you're you're probably right there. Um, would love to see more consistent play, and a large part of that is me and calling the right plays for those guys. But uh, yeah, I mean, for us, especially this year, I mean, we're in the preseason, and those a lot of those guys have not run our offense with live bullets, and you know, with uh, with uh, the young offensive line group we have, we know that we're going to go through some growing pains there, and you want to have multiple quarterbacks ready to go. So kind of these the first three games of the year, I mean, uh, I don't care if it's a one-third split evenly across the board. Uh, I want them all to play, and I want them all to play well. And uh, if one of them takes the reins and 
stands atop of the mountain as the best quarterback for us. He'll be the guy, but I, I love our quarterback room. I love how they've prepared, and uh, I want them to have an opportunity to showcase their skill sets as we continue to develop this season. Yeah, absolutely. I saw I saw someone say, half-jokingly, but maybe there's some truth in it, if we continue throwing the ball 60 or more times a game, we might have to have a couple quarterbacks come in just for uh, a closer, just for load management <laughs> like baseball. Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to Hunter, and, you know, Hunter played, I don't know how many snaps, but he threw 22 passes. And he's like, I think I've only thrown 22 passes in two other games as a Bengals. So for him, it was a it was a lot of passes and not a lot of action. But I think that's just, it's every team, every coach has different cultures and ideas for schematically what they think can lead to success. And and this is mine. It doesn't mean it's perfect. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely need to make sure those guys have some ice on their shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll uh, look to see the quarterback position kind of evolve uh, the next couple of weeks and then throughout the rest of the season. But what about the defense? Obviously, they, they had some great moments in the game. But are we going to kind of see that same look that we saw for the rest of the season, that same sort of 3-3-5? Yeah, so Co- Coach Runda, our defensive coordinator, he came from Iowa State. They kind of were the big pioneers at the Power 5 level of running the 3-3-5 defense. And I've coached against it a couple times. Um, we're going to see it against Northern Iowa. Their, their D.C. Jeremiah Johnson runs it. But it's a, it's a bear just because it's very hard to identify the front from an offensive line perspective. And then from a quarterback standpoint, it looks like a normal defense, but there's extra floaters out there. Um, so they're hard to identify. And when I got the job here, I, I really thought if I could find somebody who knew that defense, it would be a cool identity to have for us just because we're the only defense in the conference that runs it. You know, Montana tries to run it, but they're they're a four-down team. I mean, they say it's a linebacker, but he's a plays at the line of scrimmage all the time, whereas we're really playing with eight guys off the ball all the time. And I think if you look at what great players can you find in Idaho, I mean, you can find a lot of good D linemen that can hold their gap, maybe not a lot of elite pass rushers, but a lot of tough D linemen. And, and we have those. Our defensive line group is fantastic. You can find long linebackers, uh, and you can find fantastic safeties who will come down and hit people. And I think it all starts culturally with Josh Runda kind of really imprinting his identity on the defense. He's a tough guy who's a really good person, and that's kind of what our defense is molded into. I think they're tough guys and good people, and I really think our back end um, and our defensive front is probably about – I mean, there might be some better in the conference, but I don't think there's any group that I'd rather take than the guys we have. So if they can continue to play well and force turnovers like they did, we're going to have a – we're going to have a – shot in every game and that's kind of what playing that 3-3-5 does it just usually prevents the explosive plays and makes people drive the field to beat you but everybody's going to attack it differently you know uh, whether it's San Diego State Northern Iowa Utah State they're all going to attack it differently so the defense will have to adjust to the the formational sets they're getting and that'll present different issues yeah okay well so the Bengals went in last year against San Diego State uh, week one ended up losing 38 to 7 we go in this year and we make it an eight-point game. We lose 36-28, uh, throwing the ball a lot, keeping it close with the Aztecs. Uh, and I and many other Bengal fans were maybe not satisfied, but pretty optimistic after after that performance. So obviously some things to clean up. We want to see improve. But what do you think the guys did right? And what do you think maybe we could improve on going forward? Yeah, I thought uh, – I've said this to you just before we started this. That it was almost disappointing how many people were pleased by that performance. But – at the same time, it's the awesome community support is one of the great things about being a Bengal and being here in Pocatello. So I'm super thankful for the response, but not that I need a pat on the back. But, man, our kids need to – they need to feel some positivity because they've been through a lot over the last couple of years. And I, I want 
I want the state of Idaho, I want the community in, in southeastern Idaho to be really proud of the product that we're putting on the field. And I'll talk to our guys. I mean, I, I'm a hyper-competitive guy. I've not been around a lot of losing programs, but I think the core at all of those programs was the fact that you spent a lot of time worrying about the the whys and the hows and the whos and not necessarily the the what's. It's just, hey, yeah, we lost the game, but our guys played together and they played really hard. And, you know, Cortland Horton and uh, our other team captains, Mike Davis and Calvin Pitcher, they all kind of voted to put strain together on their shirts. And I, as a head coach, I did not want to come up with a slogan for the year, but they felt like they wanted to work harder than they'd worked before, but do a better job culturally of staying together. So I've tried to provide opportunities for the leaders on our team to really emphasize that and showcase that and to see our guys overcome some adversity, have adversity, to make some plays, to have area for improvement. Those are all really encouraging as a coach. Um, so I thought their attitude and their effort was fantastic. And those are the things at the core of your being. If you can have those two things consistently, you're going to have a shot. Now, I do know we are a very young team. I mean, we have over 65 guys on our team who have not played Division One football before. So we know there's going to be ups and downs. And I ask that, you know, everybody kind of understands that, that right. even if you took a bunch of first-round NFL draft picks, they would not win the Super Bowl because there's a power and experience. And if you want to be a good football team, you got to be a consistent football team. And I think experience goes into creating consistency. But I hope the attitude and effort is consistent. Um, the play will always be a little bit inconsistent until those guys get a little bit more experience. But, you know, I thought uh, we probably we dropped a few passes that you would love, love to have back that could have been big for us. I think there were a couple small communication errors there. And obviously for the for, for anybody, anytime your defense turns the ball over uh, as much as our defense did, you'd love to not give it back to them. Um, that can be tough. And tackling is always something that you want to emphasize as a coach that you got to tackle a little bit better. Obviously, their their quarterbacks in the long run we didn't do as well, but man, our guys battled so hard and did so much for the majority of the game that you know it's a uh, all the stuff that you're trying to clean up. Those are things you're you're proud to try and clean up and things that are expected. Yeah, you talk about experience being important, and we kind of saw that with. The team captains who was selected with Mike Davis, Cortland Horland, and then Calvin Pitcher, just guys that have been with the team for a while and kind of know the ropes around it. Um, so would you say that you're – you said um, before the game that you didn't want – what was it, a, a uh, balding white guy to have to give the uh, the pregame speech to pump them Pretty up? much people who look like me. I'm not a I'm not a rah-rah guy. Right, right. So uh. would you say you're more kind of comfortable with letting the players sort of motivate themselves in that way? Totally. Or? I think uh, – I think those guys, they need to be able to do it. And I think the best teams are all player-led. I mean, coaches can kind of direct them a little bit. But at some point, if we're going to be a consistently good program in the big sky, we got to hand the reins to the kids. And I think if they have more ownership, they're more invested. I think that if they're more invested, they'll see better results. And uh, obviously, you want them to have a strong sense of pride and belonging. Uh, because if the coach is always at the front of the bus, I mean, I'm going to be here. But in today's day and age of the portal, I mean, it's – Kids can leave when they want, and there's a reason that Idaho State's lost so many guys the last couple of years is I think coaches are scrambling, trying to turn things around, trying to do it all themselves. And I think for me, I understand the type of person I want to be, the type of coach I want to be, and I'm not going to sacrifice who I am to make that happen. Um, so I really believe that our guys, they, they got to make this happen. It's my job to support them and love them and encourage them and teach them as best as I, I can. But I want them to understand that the power in this program totally lies with them, that they have the power to make the difference. They have the cha They have the power to change the course of history with this program. And I, I'm very proud and thankful to be a part of it.
but I'm going to be the least important part of this program's ascension. Um, it'll be the players that make it happen. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I saw one of the post-game sort of interviews with Mason Young and then Chaden James. I believe uh, Chaden James said that uh, you don't want to take. There was a lot to be positive about from the game, but they also players didn't want to celebrate a moral victory and wanted to kind of put a little bit more effort out there themselves. And then after the game, you said yourself that you you believed in moral victories, and so you have this sort of mindset of you want to celebrate the positives, but also it's good to see the players sort of not be satisfied with that. Yeah, I think everything is a competitor. It's a it's a double edged sword, right? And I know. The macho man, testosterone-filled culture of football, everyone's like, okay, we take no prisoners, and you know, our only goal is to win. Well, if our only goal is to win, they should go home because we're not at that point as a program yet where we are trying to win every single game. I Like I said, I think before you have – it's hard to go from being good to being great. That is a strenuous climb. There is a tough, tough transformation that has to happen there. But for our guys, we have to celebrate the micro wins because our process has got to be right before our results are right. And even if you look at the game that Idaho State won last year against Cal Poly, like, I mean, Cal Poly played awful. Like, they handed them that game. And there's going to be some games, hopefully, that that all will win here as a team and where we won't play well and our guys are not satisfied. But I'll be okay if our opponents play awful. Yeah, <laughs> me too. But uh, – you know, for me, I just think you got to find a little joy in the process and take some pride in your craft and understand that a win, lose, or draw, you know, you need to find something that you're so proud to be a part of and something that you're willing to throw everything that you have into. Um, you know, I, I talked to the guys before the game about ikigai, the Japanese phrase that just talks about, you know, a sustainable life of, you know, passion and fulfillment. And I want our guys to feel like their football career is fulfilling and understand it can't all be based on winning championships or every team every year would have a miserable year except for one. And I know some teams that are at the top five, you know, of the country, that's their goal every year. And that's fine because they're almost, they've plateaued out. They're bored about the top and that is the next journey for them. But for us as a program, I think I want our whole community to be proud of what we're doing. I want our guys to be proud of being Bengals. I want them to stay here. I want them to improve. I want them to be proud of the effort and intention, um, that they put into every day, every practice, every game. And I know the results will come if we do those things well. All right. So you had Chayden James. He said uh, weren't satisfied with moral victories in that post-game interview. And then Mason Young, uh, he had a great game too. But he mentioned uh, after the game that one of the things the team needs to do kind of going forward is keeping that energy up even in some of the low moments of the game. And then there was a moment in that game against San Diego State, I think it was in late in the third quarter, uh, a play was under review kind of towards the goal line. So it was a bit of a tense moment. And then I was watching it, and the CBS camera cuts to the Bengals sidelines, and it looks like the players were kind of like joking and laughing. And I think I saw you like spraying a player with a water bottle. What was <laughs> what was going on there? Well, that was it, as I was trying to break the tension, you know, because uh, we did have a little in the third quarter. I mean, we went three and out a few times on offense, and we had a couple mental errors or physical errors that didn't lead to us having the success that we wanted on certain drrives. I mean, I, I don't think we scored in the third quarter, right? I don't. Yeah, I don't so, think so. Yeah, and I was just, I was trying to get the guys to relax. I mean, okay, guys, we're playing football, like P L A Y, like enjoy this. You know, I want you to compete with everything that you have. I want you to hold yourself to a high standard, but don't be miserable if you don't meet it. I mean, the the process should be fulfilling. I want our guys to have fun in our games, and I was just trying to lighten the moment for them, so they'd just be like, hey, let's reset, let's cut it loose, and let's enjoy this thing. Yeah, I think one of the things that was encouraging for fans about that game was that we had a couple of tough moments. You had that safety, you had that long 
touchdown run by San Diego State there late in the game. And we were down by a couple of scores at least twice. But the important thing was that the team didn't really show any quit. They they kept going back and they ended up making an eight-point game and kind of exciting towards the end there. And that was something I talked with Mike Davis about. Uh, he mentioned in the past when things get tough, the team might have had a tendency to kind of just fold up. And so it was encouraging to see that not happen. Yeah, I mean, that was obviously a tough stretch right there. I mean, there's a lot of things we could have done differently in all phases. But I think it's important to recognize that in life, bad things are going to happen. In games, we are going to lay an egg. We will get sacked. We will drop a pass. We will throw a pick. We will miss an interception. We'll give up a long touchdown. But like, let's work on the response piece of it. And I think at that point, it's not about football. It's about life. I mean, if you turns out one of your family members gets sick and has to go on leave, are you going to pout about it? Or are you going to put the team on your back and make something happen? Are you going to tough it out and understand that, hey, in life, there's always give and take. Um, and I hope that people understand that when there is adversity, it's a great opportunity to learn and, and see what is inside of them and what they are capable of. Because when it's when everything's going good, everybody's great. But I think the the true transformation of a person, I think true confidence comes from being tested and seeing yourself rise up. And if we can do that consistently, then I think that's where that experience that you talk about comes in that can help create a successful football team. Yeah. So uh, we had a lot to lot to take, both positive, maybe some things to work on from the San Diego State game. And now we're playing Utah State this week, just around 90 miles south of Pocatello, southeast of Pocatello. What are you looking forward to playing the Aggies, the Mountain West team, that close to Pocatello? Yeah, I think it, it'll be cool just for our kids. It's a it's a semi local game. Uh, I was just, it's the uh, the closest FBS school to us playing Utah State. Um, my Bishop Kelly teammate and college roommate Kyle Cephalo is their uh, receiver coach and passing game coordinator, and I respect him a lot. I know he thinks uh, he thinks the world of Coach Anderson and has followed him from you know Arkansas State to Utah State. I think Coach Anderson has done an unbelievable job of you know keeping keeping the, the program afloat. Um, obviously, they had a great year and then had a tough one, but just seeing what he has done with that team culturally has been been pretty impressive. Uh, and he's got a lot more involved in the offense over the past 365 uh, days just because he cares about that program, and he's a really good offensive coach. So I think uh, you know probably different than San Diego State. I think when San Diego State beat you, they want to beat you by 20 and walk off the field and say we punched you in the face and we won that fight. I think Utah State's more of the mindset where they want to try and score 100 points. Um just they're going to go fast on offense. They're going to play with wide receiver splits, uh, like old school Baylor, similar to Tennessee and Oklahoma. Uh, if they're football fans listening to this, that's what they'll do. Um, and they're just very different on on offense and defense. So it's so much of sports is matchups. And while I would love to think the game flow would be the same as San Diego State, I know it won't be, um, just because they have the oppor- they they have the ability to score in one play, and they're going to find ways to do it, and they're going to try to do it all the time. And I know on defense, they're probably better personnel-wise up front than San Diego State was. They don't present as many problems schematically, but they present problems from a matchup standpoint. I mean, like, they got linebackers that could play anywhere. You know, up front, they play hard, and they may not be twisting and moving and lining up in as many different looks as San Diego State, but they got good players, and they play hard. And I know Coach Anderson is convinced that he has that culture where he wants it. And they want to get back to the top of the Mountain West, so we got to be ready to go. Oh yeah, looking for a good game against the Aggies this week. But we're also just a week away now from the Bengals' home opener against Northern Iowa, the first FCS opponent. So, what do you think fans can expect from seeing the Bengals in person in Holt Arena? 
jeez, I don't know. That, that game feels like it's about three years from now <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I'm so saturated in navy and white right now trying to figure out how to get a first down against the Aggies. But I, I hope when everybody, anybody who has any experience with our program, I hope they think first and foremost that they're they're proud of these kids. I hope they see young men being respectful, young men working really hard, um, even women. If we can get – if there are any – Female kickers that want to want to come play or any any position really. I uh, I, w- I would I my program is open to all. Our, all right. pro- our program is open to all. Um, but I, I want them just to see guys that play really hard and have fun and that enjoy being each other's teammates. I think I want I would love to have 110 fantastic teammates on our team because I think that would help us create a culture that everybody's proud of. And I want it to be evident that. Our coaches care about our players and that our players care about each other and that they care about Idaho State when we play. And that's that's playing hard. It's uh, playing tough. It's playing for each other and having fun. And I hope when people show like, – I, I want the kids to like it. I want the fans to like it. I, I, I would love to win, but more than anything, I want I want there to be a good feeling in Pocatello about what we're doing. And that's how we're treating people, how we're acting, how we're playing, our style of play. I want everybody to uh, enjoy it. Absolutely. So – you yourself, you've played before as a player in Holt Arena. You've coached this past this past year in Holt, and now you're going to be coaching your first game as a head coach, as a home head coach uh, in Holt Arena. Uh, so, what what do you uh, what does that mean for you? Still, still going back to Holt, and how do you feel about some of the renovations in the arena? Yeah, now? It, it's new Holt's looking. it's crazy. You know, so I, I last coached in Holt uh, when I was at Davis in 2021. Sticks actually they, they beat our butts, um, but. It's funny because I don't think they did a single thing to renovate Holt from, you know, the time it was built until the offseason last year. I mean, it looked the same in 2021 as it did when I was in high school. And now it looks completely different. I mean, it looks like it's one of the premier places to play in the conference. If you look at whether it's the the membrane on top, the the white – Create, it used to be kind of dark and dingy, and now right. it's bright. And now you have natural light in there, and seeing the president's box is fantastic, and the new seats and the the cage room in the corner. I mean, I I remember changing in that cage over in the corner um, as a high school kid and kind of looking through the barbed wire out at the <laughs> field. And now it's a state of the art room for for boosters and recruits alike. And it'll be it'll be awesome to play in there. Um, I, I hope we can fill it with a quality product and. I hope that the community, we can continue to do things that encourage them to come to games. And it's not because I want it to be loud. It's not because I want to feel special. I want our kids, I want our kids in the university to really enjoy the experience. And I want us to do this thing together. And because hey, we we cannot grow this football program without more community support. But in order to get more community support, we got to play well as a football team. And at some point, we got to get stop getting worried about the chicken and the egg scenario. And we both got to do everything we can to to make this happens for the community and for the kids. Cause when you got a good football program, it's a, it's a positive feedback loop that can be pretty special for a university. Yeah. And I'm i uh, I've been here long enough to remember that 2018 season that the Vandals went six or the Bengals, sorry, sorry. The Bengals went six and five and we ended up beating the Vandals in 2018 for like the first time in, in however many years. And the Holt arena was, was pretty packed then. So yeah, that was, I think Michael Dean's still running. Tanner's still throwing touchdowns from that game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so you go in Holt now, it looks completely different. Like you said, it still has some of the same charm as old Holt arena, but it definitely, definitely has a refreshed feel. So I think we're going to get a lot of people going to games this season, if only to see that. Yeah, it'll be really cool. I think, uh, you know, Pauline and president Satterley have done an amazing job and I'm so thankful for, 
you know, all the boosters and community support that made it happen because as we try and, you know, climb to where we want to be in this conference, it's, you know, it's facilities, it's community support, it's winning, it's coaching, it's players. There's so much that goes into it and having a, having a gem of a, of an arena like that is pretty special. Yeah. So, uh, Speaking of Holt Arena, the last game of the season in Holt this year is going to be on November 11th, and that's going to be against UC Davis. Uh, that's uh, kind of billed as the uh, the Hawkins Bowl. So that's uh, you're going to be coaching against your dad. Is that's that's something you've got to be looking forward to, right? Yeah, it'll be awesome. I think uh, you know it'll be cool just because I'll get to see my dad and give him a hug. And there are a lot of kids on Davis's team that I still love and talk to, and I want I want to give them a hug and say, how you, how you doing? And then I want to try and beat the brakes off of them once we get the ball off. I think that's how sports is, you know. I mean, if you've ever played basketball against your brother, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of fouls and no you know, no blood, no foul. It's going to be competitive as heck, but I think it's my mission and my duty to do everything I can that week to not put the focus on me and my dad. I think that would be a super selfish thing to do. Um, I want to put it on the kids. Like uh, The reason that will be a big game is because the Bengals are playing. And hopefully we can do well enough this year where that game means something. Right. Because I I respect the heck out of all the coaches and the people that are involved with the UC Davis program. I love them, miss them. I've been in their weddings. They've been in mine. Um, But it is football, and you're competing, and you're trying to win. And I know what we're up against, but, hey, it's – Football, situational football, if we can get that on our side, if we can create some turnovers, if we can, you know, flip points before and after halftime, we're going to have a shot to win that football game. And I like, I love my dad. I mean, I know he's going to have some stuff up his sleeve and I'm going to have some up in mine, but that's because that's what we do. It's not because we're playing against each other. All right. Well, you've, uh, we've talked before, but you've especially got plenty of history in the state of Idaho uh, from playing at Bishop Kelly to playing your high school championship in Holt and then your your dad at Boise State. Do you think that kind of helps your ability to recruit in the in the gym state? Uh, we've already landed some kind of promising commits from the Boise area and in state here. Yeah, I think uh, there are always a lot of reasons coaches may or may not succeed at certain jobs. And I think uh, you know, just seeing kind of the trajectory of my dad. You know, he had the opportunity to follow Dirk Cutter, and I think a big reason. Dirk was successful at Boise coming out of the gates as he, you know, he, he just, he knew it, you know, he had coached at Oregon. So he was on the West coast, but having seen his dad at, at Idaho state and then being an Eastern Idaho legend, uh, that Cutter, Cutter had, you know, the good right mentality. He knew where to go for good players in the area. And he got the benefit of the doubt with boosters and administration because he was an Idaho guy. And then my dad was able to capitalize on that. But then when he went to Colorado, he's at a place where he's not getting any of the benefit of the doubt. And, one of the magical things about seeing him go back and, and find success at his alma mater is he gets to see people that he loves and cares about on a daily basis and they understand him and they know he has some credibility. So they've really kind of jumped in to follow him and do what it takes to help make UC Davis successful. And here it's not a, it's funny that I, I, I recognize that I am probably instantly more likable than some because I've, you know, I grew up around this area and, it's still like the twilight zone every day because I'll see friends or friends of friends that I grew up with and haven't seen in 15 years. And um, even a lady ran into me at the, the grocery store a couple of days ago and she goes, man, aren't you glad to be back in Idaho? And just the people that if they can identify with someone, then I think it always helps create an attachment to the program. And while I'm honored and excited to be a homegrown coach, I want to continue to try and put the focus on the kids and having some relationships in the state. I mean, relationships are huge in recruiting, and that's obviously been extremely beneficial for me. 
But that has to be a process that we can't rest on our laurels. We got to continue to compete every day to continue to create new relationships. And, uh, you know, myself and Coach Weber have been uh, in Idaho before, but a, a lot of coaches on our on our staff have not. So uh, we have some Salt Lake connections, which are fantastic. We have a lot of Idaho connections, but we got to continue to foster those relationships so everyone in the state can can relate and uh, relate with our coaches and want to send their best players here. Yeah, well, if nothing else, you've got to be happy to be back in Idaho instead of California, of course. Uh, so just kind of wrapping up here, kind of on that same same vein, what, what's, what's some of the things you enjoy about being even more specifically than Idaho, being here in Pocatello uh, at ISU, what are some of the, the positives you've, you've noticed around campus and around town? Yeah, I think being somewhere where football matters is really cool. Um, just, you know, in California, while it's an, an amazing place to raise kids, the weather's fantastic. Just everything's so fractured there, and you just don't have any people who have the pride in their community that you get here in Idaho. And being able to have my kids be around a ton has been a, a huge blessing, um, not dealing with horrendous traffic all the time is a huge blessing. Um, but just the, the involvement. I mean, I would wear, I would wear football gear around town after practice to dinner with my wife and nobody would say anything. I mean, I went six years without a single person making a public comment about, Hey, you know, good job on Saturday or great, you know, and now it seems like you can't get away from it. And I know that that in itself is a double-edged sword. Right. Um, but you know, as a coach, you always want to put a product on the field that the people are proud of, and you want your players to feel like they're supported and loved. And I think here you have an opportunity to do that. Just because if you want to do something special, you need the you need the community support, and knowing that, that foundation is there, the strong history of football here at Idaho State is there. Um, that's been amazing. Uh, the fall weather is awesome. Uh, you know, just the the thunderstorms are cool. Being able to watch lightning with my kids has has been a really cool small thing that you don't get anywhere else. And um, I'm looking forward to pumpkin patches and fall weather and uh, just being around really good people and having an opportunity for my wife and my kids to be around family as much as possible. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I really appreciate you being here. Hopefully we'll be able to talk to you again sometime this season. But uh, just think, thanks for taking the time out of your day and uh, good luck against Utah State and the rest of the schedule. Yeah, no, thanks so much. I hope you have a wonderful day. Go Bengals. Go Bengals.